Hello and welcome to Let the Good Dice Roll, our exalted retrospective podcast that soon will turn into something else. I'm thinking we can try and answer the eternal question between us, D10 or D20 system? I mean, I like both, so... Yeah, but if you had to pick, one has to go, which one goes? I'm not choosing right now. That is the correct answer. So, by the way, I'm Brendan, and I'm joined by... Christina. So, we're going to go over uh, at least two sessions tonight from Exalted, and then try and finish off our backlog of questions. Yep. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about before we get before we get into this? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I guess maybe, hopefully... In the coming months, we'll be able to post some of my D&D sessions. Yeah, everybody seems to be really excited about the D&D sessions since we've been uh, posting them on Twitter every uh, every two weeks when we start them. I'd like to start getting them posted in April if we can. Yeah, the big thing is, that, like I said, I would like you and I to go over how and teach me how to edit and yeah. have just a kind of a whole day to learn and work with it. Yeah, which I've got a couple... Uh, I've We've got a couple uh, days off uh, together coming up, so... That can be done. Yeah, it's just going to take a little bit, and then we can start posting them. Because we're already three sessions uh, into the d Yeah, we're campaign. already three sessions into it. We've, you've got, assuming that you do it every other week like I've been doing, like, you've got months worth of content, even if you're running, like, a two, even if you post them as two-hour episodes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if people would want them as two-hour episodes, though, but maybe an hour and a half a little bit, just depending. I mean, even then, you still got months worth of content. True. We'll see how it goes. All right, then. So, let's get back to our exalted shenanigans. This session picks up on August the 19th, 2018. Uh, We have no Jake and no Joe. But as we've already said, Joe doesn't appear anymore after the first session. But I still write those things down, regardless. I think this was the last one that we had up at your old place. Uh, probably. Mm-hmm. I would think so. Because we thought that Joe was going to be there, and then he dipped at his own place that he lived at. Yeah. It's... That was a little weird. So at some point, I just have it off to the side, so I'm just going to say it ahead of time. Storm asked to send a letter to Ghost to get information on Faffle, since we talked about how the First and Forsaken line was a big threat in the South, and how they wanted to get information on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we grab Sergey and Surefire to take to Sajan with us, and we use one of our airships to travel there. About a hundred miles out, we uh, see northeast of where we're going, a large sprawling forest of these darkened trees. There's lots of plots of land with uh, like that are greatly varying sizes of them, uh, and we cross the bridge of the. We cross the Rising Bridge, which is made for mortals. Mm-hmm. And then you also have the Bridge of the bridge of Fallen, which uh, is not a good thing for mortals to cross because it's made for the undead side of the city. Literally, it is illegal for mortals to cross upon pain of death. Yep. And you do not want to fuck with Sejan. Yep. Well, for Sejan, the majority of it is actually underground. It goes down a hundred or more so levels of just tombs. Because, it, I mean, it's a living in an undead city, but it has a lot of undead as well there. Uh, but it's, it's very heavily traffic, trafficked by spirits. It's one of the largest Shadowlands that's actually benevolent. And I know we've talked about Shadowlands and how awful they are, but this is actually a good functioning Shadowland that's not a detriment to everything. I believe that it is called the Walker's Realm. I'm looking it up right now. Well, while he's looking that up, I'm going to continue. So, as we're crossing the bridge, we find these two morticians. And they talk to us. And we basically talk back, obviously, to get into the city. This city actually feels kind of like a first-age city to a couple of us. Which is very interesting. Um, because there's not a lot of first-age cities left at this point. Right. Did you find it? uh, I'm looking it up right now. I had to actually go into, uh, it is called the 
is it the Plains of the Dead? I might be wrong. I'm, I'm still looking. Okay. Well, we ride down the stairs of Sajan on palanquins, and it looks like a lot of people from around the scavenger lands that are, are there, and those not from the scavenger lands basically look very ragged. There's some ghosts milling about, and one of them actually recognizes uh, Britt's character, Nyx. It's an old classmate who uh, is now dead, and apparently she was killed by a grave robber. Her name is uh, Susan Antoinette. <laughs> Did you find the thing? Did you uh, follow the I, fa- I found the name of it. I'm looking up any uh, actual information on it. It's called The Black Chase. The Black Chase. Okay. Located a mile or so north of Sijan, The Black Chase is a dark and shadowy expanse of ebony, pine, and black ash. Two paths twist through its expanses. There's a couple sites inside of there. I believe one of the big things about it um, is that there is actually a creation-bound Hikatone Kyer within its... Yuck. Uh, Gross. Yeah, no, with it, within its... Uh, We've talked about those before and how awful those are. Yeah, those are pretty fucking awful. So Susan takes us to a bar uh, so that Nix and her can catch up. And... Susan actually asks Storm how she feels about Wayward's son, which is, you know, funny considering that Storm was going to ask Susan about information on him. And apparently Susan actually knows who Storm is, which is always interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, we find out that... Do uh, you want to know why? I mean, probably because Storm has killed people and sent people there. No. No. She is one of your informants, informants, informants. Oh, okay. She is like, she's in your, or she was in life in your organization and was like passing along stuff, mm-hmm. but like wasn't like on the payroll so much as she was like an informant for someone who gotcha. informed for I mean, that's the way my network is set up. It's like I have my, my commanders in certain areas and they vet everybody in and it's just a nice little, uh... Think it's like that pyramid scheme of a spy network. Yeah, eventually you don't even see people past a certain level. Yeah. Uh, but they see you. Yeah, they know who Storm is, but she doesn't know who all the people are. That makes sense. We uh, find out that Voice of Life is actually uh, an exile of the god of uh, death, which makes them an exigent. Mm-hmm. And that Voice of Death is a Ronin Abyssal. Yep. And Susan says that uh, she will likely be able to get us an audience with the mortician leaders. So basically, we decide to kill some time while she goes and does that for us. So we go to meet Nix's family, who are <laughs> uh, interesting. But well, I'll, I'll get to it because okay. it's in here. Okay. Uh, that's why I said they're interesting. But, uh, yeah, she, we, we go and meet them, and we also kind of go on our own adventures. So, so, we'll start with Lioness. She ends up finding Plague of Trust, who has this new mechanical soul steel arm. Yep, because, uh, Seeker took his arm, so he decided to get a new one. Makes sense. We, well, we don't find this out, but, I mean, we do find it out out of character, at least. Mm-hmm. Appar- it, it, it's assumed. No, I meant... This next part that I was going to say. Oh. Not about the arm. Uh, we find out, out of character at least, that uh, Plague of Trust was actually the one who took Lioness's old job as the tactician for Faffle. And he won't, uh, Faffle won't be on the move for a while, so uh, we basically just have to kind of keep that out of the maiden's knowledge. I of uh, Seven Despairs is kind of pissed off. Yes. Because Plague of Trust used to be his boy. Yes, and Iron Seven Despairs is an incredibly just... He's he's basically an, an abusive husband of a Death Lord. Yeah. He literally just gets Death Knights and then, fuck, and then fucks with them. Yeah. But yeah, so Plague is up here looking for some of his old artifacts, and Faffle has him working on something confidential. Ooh, mysterious. Um... Nyx gets out of her house and goes to uh, the dead side to get some... Oh yeah, we don't talk at all about uh, 
My bad. We don't talk at all about her family. She, oh, this my is, God. We, go, we all go to meet her family, and then we go on separate adventures. Okay. So, her family is a, a, a family line of morticians um, who basically have been there, who have been in Sijan for uh, a couple generations, and their house is kind of split between, like, not like... Like, literally split. Like, one side has, like, all the living relatives. And one side has all the dead relatives. the other side has all the ghost relatives that are just hanging out. So, like, Nyx comes in and, like, her, her fucking grandmother, who's been dead for, like, a couple decades, like, comes in and is just like, Oh, Nyx, it's so good to see you! Oh, have you gotten any grandbabies yet? Like, basically is doing, like, that grandmother thing that, you, that most grandmothers do. Besides that, it's just a lot of the things that I did for that was just kind of playing on my uh, my own personal, like... It makes me think very much of uh, Coco. Yeah. And how, like, you have the dead side of the family and the living side of the family. Yeah. Uh, it's very much that, but it's also uh, the family dynamic and, like, setup is very much like... Uh, like a stereotypical like Italian family as I know them. Because I was just kind of like, you have a big family. I know about big families. Here we go. Big family time. It was uh it was quite adorable, and I think that it probably helped to give uh Nix's player a little bit more grounding into uh Yeah, because Brit didn't know anything about Exalted, the world. How to play uh, Godbound, which is the system we're in at this point. So she felt very out of place because you have to remember too. She jumped in like kind of halfway into the story. Yeah, and like most shit that she can look up online to be like, oh, that's how this is. That's not how this is anymore. Yeah, because it's fifteen years later and the world's trashed. Uh, so speaking of Nix, she gets out of her house and goes to the dead side to get some quote unquote fresh air on the dead side. Go figure. Uh, so there are a lot more guards on the dead side, and they're very heavily armed. And from where she's at, she can actually see Stygia, which I know we've talked about Stygia before. Mm -hmm. So the ghosts here, uh, have cultivated a low, like a low magic presence, and they pass messages to the living, uh, and they can, uh, possess effigies and things of that nature. As she's traveling around, she sees a small group of people gathering around someone who's just frantically talking about joining the Maiden. Yeah. Apparently this is Jester's understudy, and he's just kind of basically soapbox speaking to everyone, uh, trying to grow the Maiden's support. Since... Because it works so well in Great Force. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we mentioned before, Sajan's very neutral, so obviously both sides of this basically war at this point are trying to recruit Sajan. Right. So it makes sense. This speaker implies that there's a lot more than one death mind Sajan. So the question is how many are there? Well, you know, there's at least two right now. Yeah. So we go over to Storm. Uh who go? who's not really sure what to do, so she just decides to go look up some family information. Sergei ends up finding the tomb of a relative from the Baloran Crusade? Baloran Crusade. Baloran Crusade. That is, I, I know that we've mentioned it before, but that's when the the, uh, the Fae came in. Yeah, Fae making incursion 700 years ago. Mm -hmm. Great Contagion. All blah, that fun blah. stuff. So they, they both pay their respects, and this ghostly old man manifests... Uh, she ends up finding out that the story's true and that she's actually royalty of Lookshy. Which makes sense, because everything points to royalty. Everything has been pointing to royalty for you. Now it's just hard confirmation. Mm -hmm. Not that Storm wants that shit, not, not that you didn't have hard confirmation before when you before went off and found, like, birth records. Yeah, but it's different from finding paperwork to having literally a, a relative ghost being like, no, by the way, tote's true. Mm -hmm. You royalty boo. You a queen, bitch. But Storm's not into that, so. That was that was one thing. She was very much like, I don't care who I am. I don't care what my breeding lines indicate. 
I don't care about my ancestry. I am who I am. I forge my own path. I you, don't want to be queen. You say that you're not into that, but Sergei treated you like a queen, and you fucking loved it. One person. <laughs> you, But you had all of Metagalapa being like, princess, and it's like, go away. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just saying. It's different between, like, your boyfriend treating you like a queen to, like, other people wor wor worshipping the ground you walk on. There's kind of a big difference. I, I know that there's actually a big difference, but, like, I'm still, I'm, I'm just finding a point to snipe in. <laughs> so then we go over to uh, Lioness and Storm actually meeting up. They meet up on the dead side and see a soapbox, because another soapbox person, with an abyssal speaking on it who's flanked by what looks like a guard and a little girl. And they're speaking about how Sajan can't stay neutral anymore, and they want them to join the River Confederacy. Mm -hmm. As we get closer, we find out that it's Will, Voice, and Ghost speaking there. Uh, the audience is kind of listening, and they're kind of lukewarm to, you know, favorable about this whole thing. Uh, Storm gets up and makes a big spiel about uh, how horrible the Maiden and her abyssals are and the horrible things that they've done, how Sajan could support, uh, like, how could Sajan support someone so disrespectful to the, both the living and the dead? Kind of trying to hammer in the, nah, I don't care what good things you hear about the Maiden, look at all the shit she's done. The principles of Sajan are just completely disrespected here. How dare. Right. Well, uh, everyone eventually meets back up. We all can compare notes on what we found out uh, that's relevant to what we're trying to do. And Storm looks to... Nyx is like, yo, where's the soapbox guy? I want to go and see him. Because she remembers Jester doing it. So mm -hmm. and she's like, nah, fuck this dude. But I don't think we end up finding him. You do not end up finding him. Yeah. At this point, uh, we get our audience with the uh, two quote-unquote leaders of uh, Sajan. Mm -hmm. The first one, they, they, they're they very, when we get to them, they're very facially similar. Like, they've got a lot of features that are the same, like bone structure and whatnot. Uh, the woman is actually older. She's in her 60s, has a very matronly appearance to her. And for her age, a kind of unnerving spryness about her. Um, the other one, the younger man, uh, is his dress is decades old. Like it's it's not the current fashion, so to speak. And he's got very pale skin. So the older woman is voice of life, and the uh, the man is a uh, voice, voice of, of death. death. Yeah. And they're actually twins. Which, obviously, from that, one of them died earlier. Yeah. And then got resurrected as an abyssal, somehow. And, somehow? And got, basically, like, decided to continue working with C-Jam. Makes sense. Well, we decided to speak to both of them and tell them our case. You know, this is why you should join us. Uh, apparently, Voice of Death used to be an artist in Thorns. And the Mask of Winters is the reason for his exaltation. Yep. Um, <laughs> so to start with, uh, something I think I've mentioned before, I don't remember if I have or not. Because I've been playing Storm since the beginning, and Julia decided to play a new character, Britt's new to the situation, I have been kind of, and because Storm runs a, a spy network, I've been kind of the funnel of information to get everybody caught up with the world, but I've as the character, I've tried to give the character a little bit of a backseat until everybody got their footing with their characters. So for this whole scenario, um, I let Linus and Nyx kind of try to speak to the two of them and convince them to join our side before I really said anything to them. Right. It's one of those, like, you guys plead your case and I'll pick up anything that needs filling in. Because mm -hmm. uh, I like to think Storm was a pretty convincing Person yeah, too. she almost always was too convincing. Too convincing? Too convincing, you heard me. <laughs> so they end up telling us that uh, if we can take out whatever is in charge of Grey Falls, which is in just horrible shape right now, then after we do that, they'll discuss terms with us about allegiances and everything like that. 
I think my big selling point was we just want you to join us just to help. After this, you could go back to being neutral, mm-hmm. I think was my big selling point. Yep. I don't expect you guys to go too far out of the way. Maybe just help us a little bit, but don't help the fucking maiden. Right. We need to have a united scavenger land. And since that this person is a death lord, they have an easier in with you guys. But look what they're doing. Right. How can you as leaders have any respect or agreeance with what they're doing? If you side with us, we're not going to ask you to do a lot. Just help where you can and don't help them. And then once this is all taken care of, you guys are free to go back to being neutral. Right. And do and live your life. So I think that was the big selling point, if I remember correctly. Yep. Uh, well, we find out that Grey Falls uh, was part of the realm, if I remember correctly. Yes. And uh, now it's basically an encroaching necropolis uh, because of what's been going on there. As we're having these discussions, a uh, guard comes in to let us know that there's a mob of spirits and people running from the east that are being chased by undead that are co- actually coming from Grey Falls itself. So it's kind of a nice little segue. Oh, hey, speaking of Grey Falls. <laughs> there's some shit going down. Yeah, that you guys got to go and deal with. And that's the end of that session, actually. <clears throat> okay, so, uh, Christina, having looked over the Godbound book before, do you know what I was doing for, uh, like, the system that I was using for all of that kind of stuff? What do you mean? So, in the Godbound book, there's actually a system for when it's something larger than a small group of people um, have a problem. Or that, that, like, they basically, there is a system in there. For mobs? Not for mobs. For communities and civilizations to have uh, large-scale social combat. Uh, I don't remember reading a lot about that, but it's been a while since I've looked at it. So they are, uh, so right there was my first foray into using what's called faction combat. And basically the idea is, is that each faction has their own specific things, their own goals, their own problems, their own things, and they kind of interact, and basically every everything that, like, the player characters do can either help a faction or harm another faction, and in CJN there were actually three factions, and one of them you didn't really meet but was hinted at. It's, um, obviously the people who are, uh, trying to get CJN to side with the Maiden Under the Waves. Yeah. The people who are trying to get CJN to side with, uh, Decide with the scavenger lands, and then CJN itself is a neutral faction Makes that just sense. wants to be left the fuck alone and to continue being CJN. Yeah. The whole of this is you don't see it, but I'm taking notes behind the scene of like, okay, you guys did this, so this takes away this thing's benefit for when this happens. And basically, like, there are small little dice rolls that I have to make. And by you guys going in and help and like helping out Will and Voice and all of them like talk, uh, by you guys making your case to uh, the uh, the leaders le- to, to to the leaders and by you guys finding the uh, the soapbox guy and kind of like chasing him off more or less. Uh, the reason that you chased him off is he has a uh, a hearthstone with him that detects solars. So then he knows when the fuck to get away. Makes sense, because he doesn't want to be around, especially if he's preaching the maiden. And it was a, like, I had it, like, as a fairly low percentile chance that someone was going to see him, and basically I just kind of had people, like, I just basically rolled and went, oh, well, shit, I guess it's someone found him. You find him, you hear it, and then basically, like, he realizes what's going on and, like, dips. So suddenly, like, the, uh... The main beneath the waves uh, faction is now leaderless, but she also makes a lot of good points to the more nihilistic people. Which I mean, you you work around the dead a lot. Sometimes nihilism kind of becomes a way of life for people. Is kind of like how I. Uh, it kind of makes sense, yeah. Yeah, is kind of how that I put it. So basically, what ended up happening is I was like, okay, well they don't have a leader, but he made a lot of good points and he talked to the right people. So he's got this many things, and then basically like. At the end of that session, I rolled a couple dice and went, okay, 
Okay, okay. And basically what it turned into was, if they can help with the Grey Falls stuff, they're good. But if they decided to be like, no, you take care of your own problem, like, the Maiden probably would have uh, taken that city. Gotcha. Like, basically, if you guys said, no, fuck you, that's your problem, not our problem, it would have... But the thing is, it's our problem also, because it has to do with the Maiden. The Maiden is an overarching our problem. It, it is... But there are totally solar circles that would say, no, fuck you, that's your problem. You've had 15 fucking years to deal with this. Why are you putting it on us as soon as we came back? Hey, to me it'd be like, oh, you want you want us to handle this and we'll t discuss terms? Yes. Fuck right. yes. Like I told, like I said from the beginning, Storm was playing allies of the game. Right. And like, I totally expected that to happen. I know how that you guys operate with these kinds of things, but I do have to put in, like... A fuck-off condition. Yeah, a fuck-off condition of, like, are they going to suddenly go against how that they have always operated? Because sometimes you guys really throw me for a loop, and I'm just like, okay, I, I guess that's how we're going to do it then. Makes sense. So, try because, to plan for as much as you can. Because besides... Um, Every other city that you guys have been to, like, you guys always go in and help it and generally keep good relations except for Volovat. Like, that's literally... We didn't flood Volovat. I say we're neutral with Volovat because we could have flooded it. You could have flooded it. Could have ruined that city. But if I did, then I didn't have it as a threat against Star anymore. Right. Which was why I didn't flood Volovat. <laughs> Strictly to keep it as a pawn piece. An ever-growing pawn piece. The next session is September the 2nd, 2018. Sunday, obviously. We were in Fredericksburg, and there was no Joe. Surprise. Yeah, yeah, we, we've already talked about this. Look, I... I think that after this, I just went, yeah, you know what, Joe's not coming back. Yep. At this point, we realized there's some shit going down. So we, and it's happening on both sides of the living bridge and the, the dead bridge. So we have to decide who's going where. So time to split the party, because that always works so well. We are able to get some of Sajan's army to help out with us, because, you know, they said there was a lot of things out there, and just, just the solars isn't really going to work, and it's kind of one of those... We'll help you defend your city, but we might need some of your people to help, too. Right. So we got some of their army to help us. So the way we split it, the Bridge of the Fallen, which I believe is the Dead Bridge, correct? So it makes sense by name. Was uh, Nyx, Lioness, and Surefire. And then the Rising Bridge was Storm, Raldo, and Sergei. Right, because Jake was there for this episode. Yeah. Just Joe. No Joe. Everybody else was yeah. there that was playing currently. We, uh, split off. So, two night casts and a looter. And then, uh, you know, our, our tanky girl and our, uh, kind of, kind of our ghost priestess, your I guess. Your healer. Yeah. Our, Literally your healer. Yeah. That's fine. You know, healer gotta keep the tank alive. And another, uh, lunar. So, yeah. three and three. Yeah, it worked out fine. We, we branch off. The towering over the hungry ghosts, because there's hungry ghosts all around, is this massive skeleton that's floating in black robes with uh, foreign symbols on the cloak. It's a Nefrak, which I know we've mentioned before during the Lang the Rise of the Legion yep. Sanguinary. Yep. Um, Nyx knows that uh, it's magical and was sent to murder us. Surprise. Something was sent to murder us. Um, so, Raldo decides to go in his mech, and Storm goes walking ghosts so that she can get to the skeleton, because, you know, she works better if she just focus fires on something. Mm-hmm. And so, he, Raldo goes after the Nefrak as well as the mobs, and Storm moves on to the big guy, the big yes. Nefrak. Because at this point, I gave Jake a, in Godbound, they're called Godwalkers, but, but in, war striders. But they're technically war striders. But luckily enough for us, there are war strider stats in the Godbound book as opposed to just 
hinting at what those things could be, and boy, do those things tear up mobs like a fucking blender. Yeah. But I, he focused mostly on the mobs and I think took pot shots at the Nefrak mm-hmm. while I focused solely on the Nefrak. Just absolutely decimates mobs. Yeah. Lioness clears a path through the mobs on her side and Nyx uses her fire wands and uh, her bow words to go after the Nefrak. Uh, and Lioness is clearing the mobs so she can get to the Nefrak. Because uh, Nyx is pretty good at focus firing as well. Um... So the Nefrak on both sides draws a rune up and is spellcasting something, but we're not entirely sure what it was at the time. I don't remember what it was. Do you? Um, does it actually get its cast off? I don't think so. I don't read anything about it, but it was spellcasting uh, something. I think that it was going to use a throne level spell called Grinding Teeth of God. Fuck that thing. Yeah, that's not. A, that's a like. You know how that fire orb is like, hey, did you stay in the spot? And then, like, you take damage for staying in the spot. This is like, hey, you get drawn into the spot as space is ripped apart. And also, like, your words don't work against that. And also, here, take, like, I want to say it's like 8d6 straight damage. Yeah, fuck that. No. Uh, I also have Nyx's Blaze Hound that's in here, which is really her fire elemental. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doom Fang. You, she made a she made a Pokemon. Yep, she made a Pokemon. Around. It totally looks like Hound Doom. It totally looks like a Hound Doom and is adorable. Yep. Anyways, uh, we actually fairly easily take down the Nefrak and the mobs because we're kind of built to do that shit. And then uh, after that, we go to speak to the leaders of Sajan again, and we find out that Grey Falls is likely the cause, because, you know, it's under the Maiden's power right now, and everything makes sense, following, you know, reasonable lines of logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Sajan says that they will fight in this war if we handle Grey Falls. Basically reiterating what the Jake missed, because he wasn't there for the last session. Yeah. Um... So Storm tries to find out information about Greyfall so that we know what we're walking in on. She uh, leaves three spies in Sajan, uh, two, and she leaves three in there and tells the leaders that she has two reporting to them. So one is just kind of uh, doing its own thing, mm-hmm. like she do. Uh, Raldo uses his journey, journeying word or gift, mm-hmm. to lift us up and we go zooming towards oh, Grey yeah, yeah. Falls. Yeah, because Journeys just lets you fucking fly. It's kind of great. Raldo was Luck, Journeys, and Night? Well, I think Night was the... F- no. No, Luck, Journeys, and... Alacrity, I think. Yes, because this is before we get the second book for God Batman. Yeah, and, and then we, we, get, we, get, we can change up a little bit. Yeah, because I didn't have Vengeance at this point. Which made fighting a little more interesting for me. After I got Vengeance, my fighting just got stupid. Right. I just dared you to hit me. <laughs> At this point, things just stop hitting Storm, because then they just auto-die. It was. It made sense, though. It did. For the path she was going down. We see this large creature that is uh, hunting in the forest. It's fucking massive, so people generally don't... Go like people who go into that forest don't return. Surprise! Yep, it's the behemoth-sized Tigatonkire that yeah, we mentioned no. uh, for the last section. Fuck that thing! There's a, a giant road with fields of crucified corpses for miles, and essentially it, it's making a giant shadowland using Grey Falls' backup in case they can't get to Sajan, or since they. Not get to Sajan, but get Sajan on their side. They're basically using Great Falls as the central Shadowland to start sending in um, a bunch of different, like... To put pressure on Sajan. To create a center for the Shadowland, and then uh, forcing it outwards. Yeah. By causing, basically, fucking atrocities to happen, because that's how you make a Shadowland. Yep. So in Grey Falls, uh, in the city, there's shambling corpses, hungry ghosts, crumbling buildings, there's feral mutated people, and a ziggurat in the middle. We go in through the top of the ziggurat because we're fucking flying. Because you're flying, because I totally forgot that Raldo had the fucking journey's word that just goes, and we're flying! Ha ha! 
inside there's a massive beating organ that's pumping bile into the ground. It's surrounded by uh, guards, like skeleton guards and warriors, which are, you know, revenants. And we fight the heart and the six guards that are there. Mm-hmm. End up destroying the heart and the revenants all crumble. And at that point, we actually talk about using influence and dominion to try and uh, heal Great Falls quicker. Which I think that later on, Britt does end up using a uh, bit of her dominion to start yeah. that process. I think we all put like a little bit into it, or maybe she started putting some into it. That's her project. Yeah. But we, I, I think, think you I... guys had talked about possibly putting a little bit into it, but I kind of went... Almost none of you have, like, healing-type words, so it would not make any sense to do. Yeah. Because while that Joe would let you just buy stuff with Dominion, almost like it's a shop, I went, no, you have to... I went more by the book of, like, for once, of, like, hey, the Dominion has to come from a word that makes sense. So Nyx had a custom word that I had made uh, called the Spirit Word, Mm-hmm. That like because you had originally made it for wayward. I had originally made it for wayward, and then Nick's got it. Um, but basically, that's what she was using to heal Great Forks because it was a spirit. It the, a shadow end is a spiritual wound. Yeah, it's just not the spirit of people. It's the spirit of the world. As we're there, we uh, see wayward sons floating opera house coming towards us. Mm-hmm. I think, wasn't there any music playing or something? Yes, I think I started playing uh, Carry On My Wayward Son. I think so, which would make sense, because that's just kind of his theme song. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. For better or worse. I almost wanted to say in sickness and in health, till death do us part, which is literally his life. Right. (laughs) He didn't die. Yet. All right, so uh, instead of going into what would be uh, the last recorded session of this game. Oh, God, really? Yeah, the, the next session is the last time that I recorded because it was kind of a hassle and a half to get everything out there. Our old mic setup had kind of broke, and I had actually lost the thing to uh, charge my old uh, USB recorder. Huh, okay. So uh, instead of getting into that and... Letting you all percolate for a week on uh, just what the fuck a boss battle is coming in in a flying opera house is going to be like. Because I think it was fucking well done. It was ridiculous. Um, we're going to take a question. Um, normally I would be taking two because we have some time. But one of these questions could change due to... The fact that we literally have a LARP weekend coming up this weekend. True, true, true. So, the question that we're going to ask is... From Jesse, What is your favorite piece of costuming or props you have ever had, and what is the story behind them? So, Christina should probably start us off because she has had way more characters than me, and I'm sure that she has different favorite props for each character, and I think that it's not fair to just say your favorite prop for this character or that character it's it's hard because i've played a lot of different characters um okay so what was your favorite character or what was your favorite prop for tawny vera or or doe go so tawny i played for five six years i think um, yeah, that's probably the hardest one to figure out your favorite prop. Yeah, and she went through a lot of costume changes. Uh, so it's it's a little a little hard to try and think of something for her. Okay. Uh, Vera is probably a little bit easier. So I had, I never got to finish it. I don't know if it's my favorite one, but it's definitely one that if I look at Vera, I very much think about it. I had uh, this is basically a hooded tabard that my old roommate at the time made for me. It was black on the outside, but it was technically reversible. And on the inside was this really nice blue kind of silken material. Mm -hmm. And she rimmed it in bias tape, black bias tape. What I had taken 
had taken it and started doing in, I think it was blue or white uh, fabric paint, mm-hmm. doing Sinow, which was the Oltec language. Okay. And doing her, like, mantra stuff about her life and who she followed and things like that on there. Mm-hmm. And her Teprian, which was basically her house, and started writing it in Sinow around the edges of it on the bias tape. Okay. So it was really cool to actually, like, wear something that basically told the story of that character. If you knew how to read the language. Yeah, if you knew how to read Sinow. And basically, if you were anybody but an Altec who said anything about the Sinow on there, she would have been like, cool, noted, need to murder. They know too much. Right. So it was kind of a neat costume piece for, like, figuring stuff out and just to wear because it looked really cool and was ruined. I had a lot of interesting costume pieces for her um she had a pouch that had circuitry on it because it was a big thing for Oltex to have the circuitry look on it i actually inherited that from somebody who used to play and they gave it to me when they stopped playing uh-huh. um I'm trying to think of anything else specifically for her i had a couple of fun dagger props that i did <laughs> or what they were given to me because okay. that character was all water casting and, and shy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, other than that, like, I liked her makeup because she mm-hmm. at one point became a hand of her one of her entities and mm-hmm. had a frostbitten look. So I had, like, the sunken eyes and cheeks. My lips were blue and frostbitten around, and I did my fingers mm-hmm. in that aesthetic also. Um, I think those are probably my favorite things for her. She just uh, overall had a very dark look to mm-hmm. her, and it was just kind of fun. Okay. Um, so for my very short-lived Avalon character, Bandini, my favorite prop was hands down my uh, my fucking uh, bushwhacker that Jake made for me back when I was going Zutep, which was the Perry tree. Yep. Since, you know, there are some people who will eventually listen to this who have no idea what the fuck that Shy and Zutep are. Yeah, that's why I was trying to be a little descriptive with something. Um, so basically, Zutep being the parry tree, I had a dagger and a, uh, and a short sword. And what the Jake had done, because Jake was getting really into, really heavily into making buffer weapons, Jake had blown like $300 on a professional heat gun. So then he could bend... Uh, PVC and do, like, pipe. scimitars and stuff like that. And do, like, scimitars and stuff like that. But I don't know if you ever saw the Bushwhacker, but it was basically a sword that did a uh, a straight line at the handle, and uh-huh. then it curved very deeply down and then came again at a straight line. I don't think I saw that one. It was really cool looking. It was a bitch and a half to make. Probably one of the best props that I regret giving up. You gave it up to do, like... I gave it up because I went Praymore, and Praymore uh, is all axes. Yeah, well, I mean, you can use swords for Praymore, I had, but it's I had literally much got, better. I had it's literally much gotten, better with axes. I had gotten a uh, special axe from Wes that basically upped all of my Praymore abilities. Yeah. Which Praymore is the... Dodge tree that it's, then it's, it's lets a do- you... It's a dodge combo tree. It's a dodge negate armor tree. It's a, oh, it's a, oh, this guy's armored? Fuck him, I do straight damage yeah, to your Yeah, dodge HP. combo life damage. Yep. Uh, where Zutep is very, like, parry combo whack. Yep. So, they're both Yeah, no, that, that, that bushwhacker was my favorite uh, thing that I had from Avalon. Maybe second would be the the stupid shield that I had at the very end that really just... For some reason, I don't remember you having... I remember Bandini's costume. I don't really remember, like, his weapons. Uh, Axe, shield, um, two axes, sword and dagger, um, axe and dagger. Uh, I switched weapons almost every every event because I kept getting new item tags for them and was never told... Oh, you don't have to make new buffer props. You just for switch this. the tags. Yeah, you just switch the tags. No one ever told me that. Oh no! So like every month, because this is a monthly run warp at this point, every month I am rushing to make a new buffer weapon, or asking Jake to make me a new buffer I'm weapon. I'm sorry, no one ever told you that. So like, yeah, 
Uh, but no, my shield was a uh, was an item that actually gave me a shield block, but I couldn't use it past level 10 because it was meant to be like one of those items that you like gift to someone. And it was called It's a Trap. And my original thing that, that basically what I did for it is I covered it in the brightest, most reflective duct tape and cloth that I could find. And I would act actually actively use it during the day to actually like blind people from afar. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I just remembered another... Uh, I'll get into it in a second, so... Did well, it's we... technically your turn now, so... So, I thought of something, um... For Vera, that I actually use as dough in character. Okay. Uh, besides my dagger. My, my latex dagger. So, that amethyst crystal necklace that I wear as dough that was in character a mm -hmm. gift from her mother, I actually wore that as Vera. Mm-hmm. So I that gift that that necklace has changed hands three or four times now. So originally, uh, my friend Cat had it as her character, mm -hmm. and then she gave it to Sap, uh, Hariza, okay. because uh, it was used for changing lines mm -hmm. in the game. I'm not going to go into details about how that worked, but it was used to change lines in game, and so. It was a family thing for them, as a Teprian thing, that they used for their family. She'd given it to Hariza so that I could do uh, stuff with it. So it, like, got passed through players and ended up with me, and I kept it. So it was kind of interesting, because, like, Vera and Hariza ended up getting married, so she had a piece of, like, something from one of her sister-in-laws. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just kind of neat to have that it was a trinket from his Teprian, and then she had it and was using it for its purpose. And I still wear it as dough, it's just a different thing. Okay. But I really love that that little amethyst necklace. Okay, so for either tawny or dough now. Um, okay. Uh, let me think about dough. Because dough, dough still has kind of the same costume that I've had since the beginning. And she doesn't really have any extreme costuming for her. I mean, it doesn't have to be extreme. Like, I have some extreme costuming on me, but I don't think that my extreme costuming is my favorite part of my costume. Well, I don't even have it, like... So, I mean, I just got a really nifty back from uh, Maury and Taylor last event. It's that cute little one that has the fur on it that I was wearing. I really like that. Um, and that was just an in-character gift that they had gotten me uh, from their PCs to, to Doe. Uh, well, their former PCs, Panther and Wolf, to do. Right. Um, and I really like that. Uh, my my claw prop that I have for Doe is right. kind of cool too. That was for I bought that off of Mori. Um, maybe my makeup. I think is probably the most interesting thing about Doe. Not really a prop though. I still think that it kind of counts as a prop. Um, so Doe, because she had a wild pattern that gave her enhanced smell, I started off, before I even got the name Doe for my character, I was just like, okay, what's, what's face makeup that I could do for my nose that's really easy that I can do? So I did a deer nose with, uh, it going out and having, like, the little white spots and the brown and every, and did some highlights and stuff for the enhanced smell, because Storeflux had the system of, you could at the time make things iconic with the prop work and stuff so i did that to to make it iconic um so that it couldn't be stolen from me and i kept doing it whenever i had the pattern in and i had it in for a long time so it just became a thing and then i picked up the name doe so it kind of went with the nose anyways okay. uh and then now i might actually be able to put that pattern back in so that'll be cool to have again mm -hmm. and i've got umbral eyes my eyes are the darkest night which I've been doing, like, swirls of grays and blacks and a little bit of purple tinting in there around my eyes because I don't feel like spending money on gray contacts right now. Right. Um, but, so, like, I've got these swirling eyes with, with the deer nose, and then I've got, like, my war paint for Dell also that's around, like, my lips and above my eyebrows. So my face is just all decked out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um Maybe an old prop that I really liked that was kind of sentimental to me back when I had more of the Drake features. Uh, I had Chad's old 
um, purple horns that uh-huh. he gave me. He used to wear them for Bronwyn in Avalon. So he wore them for a long time. And I talked about needing horns to have more Drake features, and he gave them to me. He's like, you can just casually just gave them to me. He's like, you can paint them if you want to, if you want to make them look more glacial to, to match your, your Drake spec. I was like, uh, I'm not touching these. These are going to forever remain, remain purple. Holy crap, thank you. And he, he didn't really care. Like, And a couple of other people were like, Dude, Chad, these were Bronwyn. Because <laughs> yeah. he had played Bronwyn for 9, 11 years. And so getting them, I was like, holy shit. It was, a, it, was a, it was a bigger deal to me than really, I guess, Chad giving them to me. So I still have them. I don't wear them anymore as dope, but I have, they're kind of like on my little stand that has all my souvenirs from like hunts and stuff. So mm-hmm. I put them on there because we fought Drake's in character. So I kept the the horns, and they're just kind of Drake horns that I've collected now, because um, Tracker Life, I like souvenirs. Mm-hmm. So, currently I'm trying to work on this interesting half skirt that's got uh, deer skin and rabbit, dark rabbit pelts on it, but I haven't had a chance to really work on that. Yeah, I need to rework it a little bit so it's sturdier, and I think it's going to look really cool once finally done. Mm-hmm. You also don't really want to bring it out during an event where there might be where there's a Might higher be. chance of rain. Yeah, I well, right now, I could probably just do the fur, and it would still look neat, but eventually I want to work, I need to pull the stitches out and rework it and fold it a couple different ways so I can work the deer skin in to make it uh, more durable. Because mm-hmm. it does have some weight to it. So I'm going to see how the, the fur looks just to start with. Um, okay. So how about Charlie? Charlie's my favorite prop in from Charlie. Like I, I have had a lot of props. That character has gone through a lot of uh, fucking costume pieces. I want to say that I am at total. I want to say five, or, five or six different costume See, sets. See, like Doe and Vera have always had kind of the same outfits. Tawny went through. Lots of different outfits, lots of different color like, changes and everything. So that's why it's hard for her. Like, like, let's put it this way. I had my original costume, and then I had my... And then I have my winter costume, which is basically just me adding on a heavy jacket to it. Yeah. But, like, it's a nice heavy jacket, so it does kind of change the uh, the overall look, in my opinion. Uh, the, the, the regular look it was originally just, like... A button-up shirt, a nice vest, rolled-up sleeves, and, like, jeans. And my mask. There's nothing wrong with that look. Um, then we got Vacation Charlie in the summer, when we had that heat wave in July. That was awful. I was dying. Yeah, yeah, so, so it was, like, LARPing in, like, upper 90s to low 100 degrees. I'm used and to it. I still don't like it. So, my response to that was, well, I don't want to, like, wear fucking jeans in this. So, excuse me. I came in with a sun hat, a Hawaiian uh, Hawaiian shirt on, and shorts, and rolled around with, like, a fucking tiki torch as a, as a boffer weapon. It was great. Vacation Charlie. I had some Charlie. great pictures of it, too. Then we had, um... Oh, then we had then we had uh, Charlie pretending to be a knight of the wave when I stole Scorn's old uh, jumpsuit, jumpsuit and my first time as a blood magic user and, and like scratched his name out of the old jumpsuit and painted my own name onto it. That was fucking great. And then we have my current costume, which is me in jeans, a vest, a red shirt. Uh, underneath the vest, uh, a bright red cape, an amulet, a drake claw, and a, and a skull mask. It looks really good, though. Rolling around, also previously rolling around with a fucking Spoffer Street sign. Like, <laughs> the amount of weirdness that goes into this character is obscene. Um, but I think that overall my favorite, uh, piece is going to be my mask, which is a leather replica of the 
uh, Ryuji mask from Persona 5 because when I got it, I, uh, this was literally like the year after Persona 5 came out. So I was still super big into it. Like, I can unlock my phone right now and just be like, there, see? Persona 5. It's still on my phone. You can still see the fucking character oh, yeah, no. on my goddamn phone. That is the mask that has defined my character. And the reason that I like it so much for the character is that Charlie's a bandit. That's his, that's his background. What Bandits wear masks. I wrote his entire family as a bunch of mask-wearing weirdos with different masks. <laughs> like... That's mask wearing weirdos. That's how that their whole thing worked. Like I have like the upper skull mask, and it was great because fucking when that we had my family stuff come out, Wally was playing my older brother, and he was and he had a mask that just did the lower half of a skull. So like I had like from the the forehead down to the together, nose. Together you were a full yeah. skull. Yeah, together we're a full skull, and like I don't know if he intended to do that or if that was like unintentional but like it worked out so well and like so the reason that i got that mask is originally i wanted to get a mask no matter what and i had a bit of extra money when i was at the rent fair a couple years back and like what ended up happening was wasn't it the rent fair that was uh emily's bachelor yeah, party yeah. yeah so i had literally just started working two jobs and our rent hadn't gone up to an extreme amount. So, like, I'm over here like, I have money! Let's... You know what? I have money for once in my life. Let me enjoy myself. So, we went to, like, a mask seller. And I tried on a bunch. And I found one that was, like, the fucking Joker mask. Not Joker from Batman, but Joker from Persona 5. Yeah. The, uh... Like, the, 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 the loop... The, the Arsene uh, mask, I think it's called. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think it's like just like an it's just like an eye thing. Yeah, I think no, that might not be the name of it. I can't remember. So I don't. And I tried that. it on, and the problem was is that at this point I was still going like, well, no, I need to wear my glasses to be able to to hit things. Not realizing that I have just well enough eyesight that I can shoot a fucking Lucky nerf gun and, and hit people. Right. But those masks don't look good with glasses. So I'm like, okay, well, whatever. So we got Julia her crow mask, and I got a plague doctor mask because it ha because it was big enough that like my glasses kind of blended into it, but it really didn't fit the character. Yeah. So then Julia for Christmas bought me uh, the skull mask, and it fit, and it f everything else fit, and then like eventually I just kind of went, yeah, I'll just not wear my glasses. <laughs> but it was really a matter of like. I really enjoyed having a piece that absolutely defined uh, that absolutely defined that character. Like no matter what, so long as that character is around, he is going to have that mask. Yeah. And also, that mask is getting technically a rebirth by being painted onto the back of my cape. Yep. That's gonna be fun to to look at. Be like, oh, mask on the front, mask on the back. All yep. right. All right, so you have one more character. To oh, Tony's so hard, though. Is uh, she? Yeah, I went through so many incarnations of her, her style and her outfit. Pick out one um, from the last incarnation. And like, I had so many props that I went through. Like, I had this really um, simple prop that had a lot of backstory to it that was kind of cool to have, and then it got stolen away from me by shadows um uh jeez i have to sit and cy like cycle through everything she's ever had that's so fucking hard man okay well then we can say that tawny doesn't um, get a favorite well she just had a lot of shit she like that was my one thing i was playing tawny and i just carried so much around me i like had vials and stuff because i did apothecary uh she had like different symbols for the guild she was a part of um like i had a cool ass uh cohort tavern that gave me like an armor block that was really well done and stitched uh i had some really nice corsets that were just beautiful and perfect for her um 
and I had like gifts that people had given me over the years. I had this really neat thing that had all the cues on it that uh, my friend Deanne had given me as like a solstice gift. Um, I had so many like necklaces and trinkets uh, and she had an altar for all the sprites. So like when Wes's character Vlad died, who was like Tawny's brother, uh, Wes gave me a lot of the props from his old altar to the sprites that I, she literally like amalgamated and put into her altar. So I had like rings, shinies, rabbit's feet, dream catchers, uh, cups, boxes, uh, just all different kinds of things at one point or another. And I literally had like an altar with incense and stuff on it. And it was, that's, I guess that's probably my favorite prop because there's so much history and story behind it because it, it wasn't just Tawny stuff. Like anytime she got something related to a Sprite, it would go on that altar and that altar traveled wherever she traveled. And there was stuff from her in-character brother. There was stuff from Chad's old character Bronwyn on there. Like little bits and pieces related to people that were that like had stories and stuff with sprites and interactions with them, and it was just a very cool. It looked hodgepodge as crap when you looked at it, but it just was a kind of little central thing to focus on and kind of like in character commune with the sprites. Not that that was really a thing, so to speak. Uh-huh. But I guess that was probably my favorite prop because I, I I it's I've had it almost the whole time I was playing her. I had it at every event. And it was just something that was very... There was the one consistent thing about her, and there's just a story for almost everything on there. Okay. So I guess that's probably her favorite, or probably my favorite um, thing for her. Because, like like I said, her costumes changed so many times. I think I did a new costume, like, every year I played her, or more often than that. All right. So. Um, So I think that'll probably do it for us. Uh... I would like to say that next recording we're going to get that last question done. Yeah. So we can get that out of the way. And to get people excited about that, I will read the question right now. Okay. We have heard about some of your most intense moments in LARP, but what's the most batshit insane moment you have ever had? That's so fucking hard! So, I'm going to limit this to Stormflux only. Because there are literal decades of Avalon to go through. You, I mean, I didn't like, play a whole decade, though. Yeah, I know, but, like, I feel like that it's a lot easier for you and me to banter about Stormflux because you've been there two events more than me. Yeah, I have start. I played the very second event of Stormflux on. Right. So I think that it's easier for you and me to banter about that. And also, that game lends itself to batshit insane stuff. So, like, having to think about multiple LARPs is way... Like like I said, I I started playing Avalon back in... See, I was 20. So... 2011. Yeah. Yeah, 2011. April 2011. Which is weirdly close to when I started Stormflux, too. Because I started, I think, in, like, May or Mm -hmm. April or something like that. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so, basically, we have been told some things in, uh, the Stormflux Discord that's like, hey, shit's gonna go down and it's gonna be heavy. And I'm like, okay, I'm waiting for some fucking insane shit. So I'm, I'm going on record right now as, let's see if they can make this one the most insane. I've had some pretty weird events, like the ballad was weird. I know. I got to go through a dragon's zone and basically rob him <laughs> and then become best buddies with him. Right? <laughs> yeah, I think that we should hold off on that question uh, until after this event and limit that question only to Stormflux. I'm down with that. That'll make my life easier. Right, least. that'll make your life a lot easier. I like. I really can't think of batshit insane stuff that happened to me Were you there for the Avalon. Crystal Mon at Avalon? Yes, I was, but I came out of it Completely fine. Good for you. I I lived through that, but holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. So I came out of that completely fine by by working with team old man Jake who can't see in the night and me who recently had a Neo break my glasses. Somehow we survived. Yeah, that was a very intense, long, and somewhat frustrating but cool concept mod. 
at, at some point, once we finish up the Exalted thing, I would love to get uh, Brit on here to start talking about, like, Stormflux and Avalon stuff, so it's not just you and me and sometimes yeah. Julia talking about it. I think that that would be, uh, I think that that would get some, like, really fucking cool stuff going on, because the three of us kind of hang out together, yeah. but also have our own little separate stories. Well, and the other fun thing, too, is uh, we could, like, tell some, we could do an episode where we tell some stories, um, and then we could also, once I can get my um, D&D stuff out, we can have some talks about, okay, cool, this was the first chapter, which will go probably, like, six episodes or more or something like that. Mm-hmm. Thoughts and feelings <laughs> I mean, from you could, guys as my players. <laughs> I mean, we could totally do that. Um, I think that we'd almost need to have either a Monday or a Sunday off to, to get the whole group here, but I would like to, I would definitely like to do that with at least one other person besides just you and me. Yeah, but besides the point. Um, so, for Paradise Lost Podcasting Channel, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, remember to hit those like, subscribe, uh, comment for us if you liked what we're talking about. If you have any questions, you can, uh, slide into my DMs on Twitter at a pair of dice lost. Yeah, uh, that. Yeah. Uh, you can also email us questions, which is the more professional way to go about these things to a pair of dice lost at gmail.com um if there's any other questions that you guys want us to answer i'd love to uh i'd love to start doing it we are actively running out of questions again and like don't just limit it to tabletop stuff we have a lot of experience in other things like video games and uh anime and tv shows and like just other random like bullshit um we can't promise we'll answer them all, but I would love to just kind of get more stuff to talk about than just Exalted. Yeah. Uh, and also, again, if you have any ideas for what that we should do once we're done with it, be it this Exalted campaign, yo, hit us up. We are open to suggestions. Definitely. So, for A Pair of Dice Lost uh, and Let the Good Dice Roll, I've been Brendan. I've been Christina. And please remember to keep those good dice rolling.